Welcome to Progression Lab. I'm your host, Hanson McCoy. At Progression Lab, we dive into proven techniques for better creative solutions. Here we tap into the insights of academic research, creative experts, and the industry around us to help you become a more effective problem solver. My mission is to inspire positive change by guiding you to the tools that you need to find creative solutions and to drive exceptional performance. I have an incredibly inspiring interview today with Nick Himmo, an innovation consultant, strategy coach, and facilitator. On this episode, we explore Nick's journey into innovation, tips for starting a new career, and the fundamentals of finding success in a new industry, including how your environment influences your success, being mentored, negotiating your salary, the power of video, and reasons why we should all be thinking about making videos. Nick is passionate, inspiring, and incredibly uplifting to listen to. Whether you're starting a new business, venturing into a new career, or you just love learning, you'll enjoy this episode. And for more information about what we do at Progression Lab, please go to www.progressionlab.co.uk. All right, let's dive into it. Brilliant. No, it's an absolute pleasure to be here, Hansel. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for joining me on this podcast, on this episode here. Um, I want to give people a bit more contact, a bit more um, context into you, um, your background. I know we have some kind of similar, some common ground as well. Um, so how did you really get started in the world of innovation and how would you describe your role today? Oh, that's a really, really good question. So I studied um, a master's in management yeah. in 2012 at the University of Exeter. And um, there was a module called Managing Innovation. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. And I think that you fall in love with a subject, not because of the subject itself necessarily, but more because of the teacher. And the lecturer for uh, Managing Innovation was a man called John Besant, who I think is probably one of the top innovation experts in the world. And I was just lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time in his um, uh, on his on his course as part of my ma- master's and that really made me fall in love with the topic of innovation understand what it was because I it sounded like a nice word but I didn't really know what it was and then what I did was I, I went on the course and went wow this is brilliant this is what this is what I need to do so that got me into the concept of innovation and um, I, I've always been into facilitation and running workshops and and, and training as well to an extent mm. so I uh, I went to Colombia after having studied music of all things at uni, uni for my um, undergraduate. And um, while I was there, I was teaching English, business English, to in corporates like GSK, Siemens, Citibank, to directors and helping them. They didn't really care about the grammar. They were like, I've got a meeting with my, or a presentation with my boss in the US next week, or I've got to send this email to my boss in Europe. Make sure that it's good. And so I just helped them with that stuff. And so that's where I really got passionate about facilitation and training, first of all. And then that combination of the um, uh, studying it as a master's, it's that, that was the beginnings for me that really got me into it. Nice. So you kind of had, you kind of had the educational experience of managing innovation and, and a fantastic teacher. And is it alongside that you got some corporate experience as well? It wasn't directly in the start of facilitation that you're doing right now but I imagine it got you into and it it started to hone your skills with working with people and and getting the most out of them really right absolutely because then what I wanted to do was with that background because I studied I actually studied uh, my master's after teaching for two years but 
it was then at that point that I met someone who was a trainer. Like they were doing workshops and delivering training. And um, my sister works in organizational development and, and um, um, leadership development and that type, type of thing. And so um, she, she gave me some advice as well. But um, this other, there was two other people that I spoke to that were trainers that were working in L&D. And what they said to me was, Nick, you need to, if you want to get into this, what you need to do is um, study neurolinguistic programming. And you need to study with someone called Ian McDermott, another wonderful teacher, one of the top teachers, not only in the country, but in the world for neurolinguistic programming. And that really set me up because we also started talking about coaching. And this is where my style of facilitation, I think, has really started, really, really came from. That my, my approach is all about using the coach approach, mm. you know. So you're not trying to give people answers. You're trying to ask questions and pull answers from people. Because I heard, I don't know if it's true, but I heard that the word question comes from the word quarari, which is like a Greek word. And one definition of it is to go on a journey, to go on a quest, mm. a quest question. Yeah, I see that. And so when you, when you ask someone a question that they don't know, they have to go on an internal quest, an internal journey inside themselves to find the answer. And you can see when they do it. Because when you ask someone a question and they don't immediately know the answer, they look up often and like to the left and you can see them searching yeah, like inside you're, you're themselves. Yeah, computing for it. inside their brain, right? Absolutely. So that's what I like to try and do with, with, with my now, my strategy facilitation and my workshops around innovation mm. is asking questions about, you know, the right types of questions that enable people to search and find, right, what is their true path? Where do they want to go next with their business? Um, and what, like, what options should they, they be looking at? And, and, and that's really my approach now. Wow. I, it sounds like a really good approach. And I, I do, I see how everything has kind of come together for you as well, because you're someone who've had, who's, it seems like you've had some amazing influences along the way. People that have inspired you from teachers to your own flesh and blood. Um, people who have kind of guided you along on, on the journey and also kind of given you like amazing things to think about. And um, I, I would definitely say I have that in common with you as well. Like, you know, my sister, she, she also has her own business. She's a DJ, um, but then she also works in the sciences as well. Um, and I think a lot of the a lot of these things, a lot of the things that we do that we create, are very linked to our environment, right? And, and you have to be intentional about what environment you create for yourself, so that you can really create what's inside. You can reach that potential. My mum is from Colombia, and she has a saying, an expression. It's a Spanish expression, which says "Dime con quién andas y te diré quién eres." And what that means is, "Tell me who you hang around with, and I'll tell you who you are." Oh uh, yeah. So. You're the, you are the combination of the six people that you hang around with most, right? So if you can surround yourself with people that you want to be like, that's what's going to help you grow and help you uh, get to where you want to be. Mm, definitely. And I, 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 definitely feel, I, I definitely feel like myself in the people that I hang out with. Like I hang out with people who are intentionally very different to me, and, but also people who I admire specific qualities in them and I see those, I see those quite like, uh, like, you know, I, I love his sense of humor. I love his vibe. I love his energy. I want that in my life. Like I, I'm intentional about it. And I think that's how you have to be. So I, okay. So let's get back to it. So you've had these amazing people in your life. You finish your university degree, um, your master's in uh, managing innovation. What's the next step there? Then I went and worked for a big tech company um, uh, and well that was amazing because I got this opportunity to go around all the different departments in the company on like a graduate scheme. This was when I was like 24. 
25, 26, I think. Um, and then what was great was I got the opportunity to experience loads of different parts of a huge, like huge corporate, right? Huge corporate. Um, and I ended up working with one of the chief, well, the chief financial officer for the Europe, Middle East and Africa, wow. right? So it's a hugely important, like his role is super important. And I was directly helping him make his reports. And it was so interesting seeing like, just being able to chat with him so closely about how running the business, like how he was running the business. And also then not only that, not only working with him, but working with other parts of the, of the company and really understanding how like a big corporate works from the inside across all these different areas. So that, that was really helpful. Although I will say that having just done my master's, I went in there like, come on, let's innovate. I am ready to go, let's go. And I did feel a little bit like, Oh, you know that master's? You know the whole innovation degree that you did? Yeah. Like, you, you won't be needing that here. Yeah. Just, well, let's, just, let's just take that and put that somewhere safe for Wow, now. yeah. What you're going to need to do is just do spreadsheets every day, all day, intense. Very humbling, And I was like, right? oh, yeah. Oh, my it God. Was, yeah, and it was a great, it was a very helpful experience, but two years of it was enough. Learning about something and doing it is just completely different. It's like, it's, it's a completely different ballpark. And I think in many ways... You know, young people do need to be able to see the connection between what they need to learn and, and what's actually what actually happens in organizations. Reading from a textbook isn't really going to give you that experience 100 percent of the time. That's that's why I think what you need to do is if you go into a big organization or any organization as a young person, what they're going to do probably is make you do boring, probably mindless stuff or maybe stuff that you still don't know how to do. But it's kind of like weird, random, like quite repetitive stuff. And so if you want to do the stuff that you're trying to learn it in wherever, where else, what you probably are going to have to do is actually try and offer it for free to the person, that you, to people that you want to help. Yeah. So if you've learned something, just say, look, I can do this for you and then just do it for them for free. And then if you do that two or three times, you pick up the experience and then you can say, now I can charge for it. Experience is key, right? Yeah, definitely. But it's also about experience of the high paying jobs. So like we're talking about like making videos and stuff like this. You can get paid a lot of money doing these. No one's going to pay you money for your first video if you've never done it before. So what you do is you take your mobile phone, you start making videos on that, and then you learn how to do it, improve each one. And then what you do is you say for a company, say, look, I can make you some videos. And then what happens is they get hooked on the video, then you jack up the price. You go, okay, that was free. That's where we started. But now I want to charge you quite a lot of money for this because actually these videos that I'm making for you are worth 10,000 pounds. So come on, let's like cough it up. Yeah, exactly. That's how it works. Well, you, you know, you're, you're, you're totally right that like once you build your experience, once you build that CV, you are able to ask for more. But, but that's also because you bring, you're bringing more value to the table as well. Um, one thing I find particularly interesting with your experience is that you know, you were surrounded by, was it the CFO of the company? That's someone with like a, a ridiculous amount of experience. And so you can kind of understand what he sees in his world and that can help you shape your path as well. I'm guessing that that's what happened, right? Absolutely. I think he was brilliant. Um, a fantastic, absolutely amazing person. So experienced, so good at his job. But what it showed me from getting that opportunity to accelerate, to have the opportunity to hang around with that person, made me realize, do you know what? that person's just another person like me. Mm. And they've had a lot of, like, they, they're in that position, but actually I feel that if I had had, like, re if, I, if they gave me 
full-on support for six months, I think I could be ready to do that job. Like, you're never going to get the full-on experience. But I think if I had people around me that were like, you're going to have to do that job in six months, we're going to get you ready for it. And that was their job to, to get me ready for that. They could do it. So I genuinely believe that anybody in the world, almost, can do any job if they're given the right support and the right training. Yeah, I genuinely Absolutely. believe that. But we don't have time to give everybody like that training and so a lot of it is about politics and you know working your way up through like you know being the right place at the right time and speaking to the right people another part of it is just about you creating your opportunity and so the way that you can accelerate that is one like we said before doing free work like doing that stuff getting that stuff done first another way of doing it of accelerating as well is by saying i'm going to quit once you've done something really good say i'm going to quit because i've got another job that's the fastest way to get a, a jump up pay salary is to do something become what seth godin calls in his book a linchpin become someone really important in your company and then what you do is you get another company to offer you more money and then you say all right guys see you later i'm off and they say whoa 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 like we can't have you leave because we really need you and you're like well this company's paying me this much and i've already resigned and then they say okay then we'll, then we'll match it or they say whatever. And then you say, look, if you like, and, and then this is where um, Never Split the Difference comes in by Chris Voss. Then you say, then you start pulling in the, like the, the, the lines that he says, which is, you know, how am I supposed to like stay for the money that you're offering if this is the money that they're offering? And my dream was to always earn this much by money by this age. So how am I supposed to do this? And then they come back and they say, okay, we'll give you a bit more, but it's still not enough. And then you say, well, how am I supposed to do this? Like, this is my dream. This is the money that I'm looking for by this age. How am I supposed to? And then they go back and then they come back. And then eventually, probably they say, okay, we'll give you the money that you want. And then you say, great. And then you, you, you can decide whether you want to go or you can stay for the money you want. Or if you, what you're trying to do is always push them as far as they can go. You want to know that you didn't leave any money on the table. Yeah. That's my um, negotiating your salary advice yeah. as well. I mean, to be fair, like... I think that that mentality of there's nothing you can't achieve as long as you learn it is something that's imperative to what we do. Like we, we need to be able to approach everything, every challenge that that's put before us with the mentality of if I can learn this, if I can teach this, if the people in front of me do the work, they can achieve it, right? Um, and I imagine that mentality is an intrinsic part of your work right now in facilitation, right? Um, I, 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 do, I do want to tell the story. I, I, so so you, you, uh, you've worked in these tech companies. You've had you know, this amazing experience to learn from the CFO. How does this lead to where you are today? Okay, so then there's another company. So then um, what I end up going to do is work for a, a digital agency where we're creating programs for companies around digital skills and innovation, technology, stuff like that. And so I go in as a consultant running workshops around training skills those skills for companies but then within a year what i do is i go on to then run like the sales part of it run the sales team for them and end up create but I'm not only it's like an agency so i'm not really actually only just selling it i'm like selling it designing it and delivering the programs that we're creating and i sell like well over a million pounds worth of like programs in less than a year for this company and i'm helping my colleagues do it so i'm contributing to millions of pounds worth of revenue that is coming because like I'm helping design what the company's doing and where it's going to go. And I'm doing like whiteboard sessions with all these like top, top banks in the country with 
top energy companies with like the top retailers. We're creating these programs, gonna change them. We do it and it's amazing. We get really good feedback. And then that's when I basically say what happens. Then I get offered another job. So I become a linchpin. Then I get offered a job somewhere else um, to be like head of innovation for a new agency that's starting up in a, for a big um, finance, um, financial services, no, for a big insurance um, company, big French one. And um, then I end up staying, keep selling more. And then what I do is I uh, leave again after a while and then go and start up on my own. Wow. And so this is where like I go. Then what I do is I say, and the first client I get is American Express. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That is that is a killer first client, right? Yeah. So I go in and I, the, I remember the first meeting with American Express and I'm like, okay, I'm on my own now. I'm just uh, Nick, you know, I'm walking in. And I'm sat in the, in the Amex like office in like Victoria, beautiful office. And I'm having a chat with the person I'm trying to sell to. And I'm like, there's no difference between Nick selling this stuff and Nick selling for another bigger company, this stuff. So I was like, ah, this is great. So I managed to bring that in. And then what I did luckily though, before I quit was I'd saved loads of money. Mm. So that meant that I had a run year. I actually had a year's runway to be able to survive before I quit. So what I was doing was I, I managed to sell Amex, but it was only small deals, not enough to like make you know make a living. But it was good, good. It was good money. It was good money though, uh, for the for the. And I did some. No, I got paid pretty much for everything that I did for Amex. Actually, I, I think I did one or two free workshops, maybe at some points. But I, I got paid. They an amazing client. Amex, a fantastic. I can't say anything bad about them. They're so good to work with as a client. Um, and then, so that was good. But then I uh, did some work with other smaller clients as well. Um, and then just getting in workshops here and there. And then there are two sides really, and this is what I think we're gonna be talking about, which is that I've done a lot of kind of like strategy workshops, helping companies identify what they're gonna do next with their business, with their strategy, using all of Strategizer's tools. This is my favorite, one of my favorite books. Yeah, it really are, is. I've read that, that one before, it's amazing, right? Incredible. Like. Um, all of the tools that Strategizer come up with, the business model canvas, the value proposition canvas, they are all the tools that I use. So this is business model generation. This is where it all started for them. Mm. I've got value proposition design. This is probably actually my favorite. Yeah, if you're going to start somewhere, I'd get this book. Um, and then testing business ideas as well now is just like, this is, if you're trying to start a business right now and you want to, and you want to test stuff, this is so good. So I want to talk about the power of video. So it was at University of Exeter, I was studying with, um, like while I was studying there, this guy called Thomas Power, he comes and does a talk at the university. And so this was, yeah, like seven years ago. And um, he, he um, at the end of the talk, he, he's Jay Shetty's mentor, by the way. Jay Shetty, wow. billions of views, like huge. And so um, he says to us at the end of the talk, here's my phone number, just give me a call, but no one ever calls me, so don't worry about it, but here's my number, just keep in touch. So I say, okay, four years later, like when I quit my job and I'm looking for work, because I know that he's got such a big network, I call him up, I'm like, hey, so four years ago, you, uh, you gave a talk and you said we should call you, uh, so I'm calling you now. And I was basically trying to ask him to see if he'd give me some work, because I was looking for some clients, you know, to do some workshops. I thought, I bet he knows someone. That could he, he doesn't have it for a minute. He start and he gets really like angry and quite aggressive and like he's like starts coaching me but like aggressively like on the phone like <laughs> how much are you earning yeah. how much are you earning yeah. like he's like proper gets into it 
And so what I wanted was clients and what he told me was a piece of advice that I didn't want to accept. And that piece of advice was start making videos, start using your phone, start making videos immediately. That's what he told me, so I've just moved my camera around. It's all, I'm getting a bit excited now. Um, he said, you've got to start making videos. He said, Jay Shetty made 3000 videos in three years. You need to get on with it. That's how you're going to get your clients. So that's it. I, what I started doing was I found this guy. Well, one of my, one of, I went to India. I did a trip to India. And on the trip was this guy called Kim Slade. And he teaches you how to make high quality video content just using your phone. Okay. I studied with him. Kim Slade, Touch Video Academy. If you're thinking about making video content and you haven't started yet and you don't have a camera and you don't know where to start, you need to speak to Kim Slade, Touch Video Academy, and then you need to start making videos. And so I studied with him and then I started making a lot of videos. I made, uh, not last January, the January before, I started making um, a video every day for January. So I did that every day. And then throughout the year, I made like a lot of videos, a lot, a lot, a lot of videos. Then this year, um, I started with my friend Spencer and we started making YouTube videos. And so we've made more than one video every week together um, on business, innovation, all those nice. things on our channel, The Spend and Nick Show. Yeah, so that's really cool. And then um, I've been making my own videos as well for my own channel. And so I've really been, and I've been focusing on it more than ever the last probably two months on building my own channel. Nick Kimmo, check it out. Really appreciate it if you subscribe, Absolutely. by the way. Absolutely, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll link to everything you in the show notes and in the description yeah. and, and everywhere where you'll be listening to this podcast or watching this video. So guys, you know, you'll, you'll be able to follow Nick. Don't worry, we'll, we'll give more information at the end of the podcast, but I got you. And this is the thing, that. but this is the thing, and this is what I want to show people is that the advice that many people are watching is not, they, the, the advice they don't want to hear is that, that they need to start making videos. Most people listening or watching this will be thinking to themselves, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, I'm not beautiful enough, I don't know enough, I'm not good enough on camera, I'm not enough. I'm here to tell you that you are enough, that you can make videos, that you are talented enough, but you need to start now and you don't have to be good to start, but you have to start to get good. So just get on with it and that's what's going to create opportunities for you. Because and this was something that I said to Spencer, which was that your best opportunities will come from the videos that you are yet to make. So when you make these videos, opportunities start coming to you that you never thought were possible. So I told you, like, my hero is Alex Osterwalder, yeah? I've started making these videos, and now he's watched them, he's sharing them, I'm talking to him on Instagram, it's like, he's one of my heroes, and I'm speaking to him. Wow. And, like, he's asked me to do um, some coaching assistance for him next, uh, next week that I'm doing. And he's even asked me to start making, I'm, I'm making my first video for his company, Strategizer, as well at the moment. So th these opportunities come from making video content because if you're trying to have a meeting with someone, you can only talk with them one-on-one. -on -one. But when you make a video and put it out into the world, a lot more people can see it and you can direct people to it afterwards. This is not like, oh, people that I don't know are going to find it. That could happen. But more likely, it's people that you know will see it and then they're going to understand what you do because probably most people in your family don't know what you do. Most of your friends probably don't know what you do. If you make video content and share it, they're like, ah, oh, now I get what Nick means by innovation and strategy and facilitation, all this stuff. Oh, that's what it is. Great. Oh, actually, I know an opportunity for him. I'm going to let him know. Or I think I know someone that needs that. I'll let them know and let Nick know. And then all of a sudden, your friends and your family become your sales team. And then all of a sudden, these opportunities come to you. So that's why video content is so important. And that's why I'm so pleased that like Thomas Power told me to get into it. So that's, that's one point that I wanted to share. 
I mean, I, I 100% agree with everything that you just said. And like, like no doubt, I, I mean, I follow your videos and, you know, you strike this really fascinating balance between practical and entertaining as well. Um, and I, I was curious as to how you got to this point, because, you know, like a lot of people find it difficult to to really to really develop their video skills. But you've managed to start in, in such a fine-tuned, professional way, I'm, I'm really curious as to like how you really refined your skills in making these videos. So what one thing that I try to do is I try to see people that I'm inspired by and try and implement them, mm-hmm. implement what they're doing into my videos. So in the same way that I study drums, I, I'm a musician, I studied music at university and I'm a drummer. And what you tend to do with when you're playing an instrument is what you do is you do covers of the songs that you love. And then what happens is oh, I'm going to do a little bit of Art Blakey. Oh, I'm going to take a little bit of Steve Gadd. Oh, I'm going to take a little bit of um, Keith Moon. Oh, I'm going to take a little bit, you know, and you take a little bit, you know, of Cindy Blackman. I'm going to take all my favourite drummers, I'm going to bring them together and put them into what, and then I become the combination of all those drummers, right? And this, this is the thing. It's the same thing with video. I'm like, I'm watching a little bit of Pete McKinnon. I'm l- watching a little bit of Matt Hiapoya. Oh, I'm watching a little bit of like uh, AJ and Smart's content, Brittany uh, Bowering. Oh, I'm going to watch a little bit of Alex Ostervalde on camera. I'm going to take a little bit of that. And then what you do is you put it into a melting pot and then you stir it up and sprinkle a little bit of Nick Himmel on top. And that's how like your videos come out. So what I try to do in every video... I don't try and make perfect. I just try and go, what's the one thing that I can learn? What's the one thing new that I can do? So in this video, the thing that I'm going to try and do is nail my, my thumbnail. Oh, in this video, I'm just trying to get the framing beautiful so that my background looks good and, and that's good. Okay, on this video, what I'm going to try and do is get some transitions. So I can uh, walk into the screen here, blah, 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 and then maybe have a little bit of fun and then walk out and then, you know, and then just see like, you know, like experiment... <laughs> And, and also, what I think is important is there's this concept called um, creative discomfort, okay? And creative discomfort is something that um, I learned from um, um, uh, John Cleese, you know, the, the actor, the comedian. And John Cleese, he talked about this idea where he said that, you know, when he was working with his team, um, I don't know why Siri's going crazy again. He said that when he was working with his team, on you know on um, Monty Python and all that what would happen would be he would say um, they'd be working on a project working on a script and what he found what he always he never felt that he was the most funny person in the team like he thought there were other people that were funnier but what he noticed was that when they were working on a script working on like you know a little scene what did he find was that when his teammates were working on it they'd come up with an idea for something and then they work on it. And then by as soon as they could see it was getting to five o'clock, they'd finish it quickly, go home, and that's it, done. Yeah. Whereas what John Cleese would do, he... Because the thing is, the mind doesn't like unfinished jobs. It likes... The mind likes to close, like, nicely finished, tight, packed units of work. It likes to have it finished, shut it off. It doesn't want uncertainty. That's why you're so hooked when you see a cliffhanger at the end of EastEnders or whatever, right? And so... Um, what John Cleese says was, what you, want to, what you want to do is you want to sit in this, this thing called creative discomfort where you don't have the solution yet. And you need to be willing to sit there not having a solution and exploring possibilities for longer. 
And that way, by putting more time and more effort into it, you're gonna get more creative solutions that come out of it. So I'm not afraid to like just mess about and spend more time trying to explore the possibilities. So like, so one thing that I have done quite a lot, which I think is working for me, is this idea of messing about with like the way that I'm entering into like the scenes and then leaving and then coming. That's something that I actually haven't, I have seen people do, but I haven't seen anyone do it quite like me so much. Like maybe, it's, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't seen so much. So um, that just came about from messing about. Um, and I think it's the same thing with like, I watch a lot of YouTube's and I'm, YouTube videos and I'm just willing to just try and like mix a lot of different kind of um, uh, inspirations. And I think that combination of just yeah. not being scared to spend a bit more time and mix experiences working. But at the same time, don't, you need to give yourself a time limit and say, I'm going to ship, ship it by this point. Tell me, tell me a bit more about why, why you're so passionate about innovation. Why are you so passionate about strategy? Like, why, why did you choose this field amongst all the other fields that you could have gone down? I mean, you have an interest in music, you know, obviously you could have followed the corporate path. Why this one? I think there's a couple of things. One is that I really like um, helping people see new potential in themselves and helping them realize it. So that's one thing that's cool about being a consultant because you're helping people be the best that they can be and specifically helping companies and leadership teams do that. So that's exciting and that, that, that aligns with my purpose for who I am and who I want to do because I really enjoy doing that. The other thing is that I like talking about uh, big concepts and high level and helping like um, create a strategy and plan for, for what you're gonna do next. Not only for businesses, but just generally, I just like thinking about like big things, like you know, thinking about where we're gonna go, what we're gonna do. That's something that I like doing, and that's what I do with my job every day. And I really like using tools like all those strategizer tools. I'm really into the six thinking hats is another tool that I really like using. And um, I like what really sets me on fire is finding really cool stuff specifically really cool kind of like strategy tools and then going oh my god i've just found this amazing thing hey everybody come over here come over here look at this this is going to change your life mm, like yeah, that's you. one of my favorite things to do and so um being able to do what i do with the videos that i'm making but also directly with strat uh, strategy and, and coaching and facilitation um with companies i get to do that every day so that's why i'm so excited about it yeah, I, I definitely see that. And I see that in you as well. And I think that everything, I think that your whole journey has led you on a very strategic path. Um, the people that you were around at the very start of your journey um, and, you know, the, the kind of mentorship you've had along the way as well, you know, um, I can definitely see that taking you on a very strategic path. And, you know, I, I would say that's something that you're really fortunate to have. I think a lot of people, you know, they get right into the job and they learn how to do the job rather than how to think about the work that they're actually doing. And it really is a trap and a, and a difficult step up for people to think about things on a different level. I think so. I think you've constantly got to be thinking about what you're going to be doing next. And you've got, I, I, I don't get it when people complain so much about their job and then you speak to them and then seven years later, they're still in the same job. I think that if you're in a job and you're not happy, like you need to be doing everything you can to find to make a change to make yourself happy because I think that's how people start getting sick if you're working in a job that you hate like your body's listening to your mind 
And if your mind's not happy, your body's not going to be happy. And that's where you start getting on well. So I think what you need to do is it's your, it's your moral obligation, duty, responsibility to make sure that you're happy so that you can do your best work and that you're healthy and then you can create a healthy environment for those around you. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's really important. I think that's super important as well. It's often really difficult for us to listen to ourselves. Um, and um, I think we, we both had experiences working in quite large organizations and working for ourselves as well. Um, and I don't know if you've experienced it as well, but it's definitely far easier for someone else to tell you what your future holds than for you to go out and figure it out for yourself, right? Definitely. There's two parts of the brain. There's the part of the brain that deals with your identity and there's the part of the brain that deals with other people and they're not connected. So one of the best things to do is either to think of yourself as someone else and giving another person advice. That's a way that you can connect the two parts of the brain. And the other thing that you can do is actually just get other people to give you advice because it's so much easier, as you say, to get give another person advice than it is to give it to yourself. Mm. Yeah, very true. So that's an amazing piece of advice. And what I want to like lead on to is three of the main pieces of advice, lessons you've learned along the way that you would go back and tell young Nick um, at the very start of the journey. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So number one is whatever problem that you've got, come up with 10 solutions, okay? And there's a couple of reasons why this is good because um, often it's not the first or second ideas that are best, it's the ones that are eighth, ninth and tenth. And as you so come up with ideas come up with 10 ideas and actually practice this every day because creativity is a is a muscle and the more you practice it the better you get and so always do that no matter what problem you've got if you're listening to this if you're watching this what you, you've got a problem in your life right now because if you haven't wow i've never met anyone that's ever said no to this so you've definitely got a problem in your life right now what i want you to do get sticky notes write down one idea per sticky note for how to get over that over that problem. 10 solutions, write one on each sticky note, write 10 sticky notes. I guarantee you'll look at those and there'll be one of those that'll be like, oh wait, I could use one of those. It's gonna get hard after solution three. That's where you need to keep pushing through it. But that's my first piece of advice. Come up with 10 ideas every day and whatever problem you've got, come up with 10 ideas for it. Second uh, piece of advice is gratitude is key. And this leads on nicely from the last one. Um, you can't be sad. And uh, it's hard to be sad when you feel grateful. So my advice is in the evening, come up with 10 things that you're grateful for that day and get super niche, super specific, and that will help change your mood. And in the morning, give yourself a rest. You can do three in the morning. So come up with three things you're grateful for in the morning and that'll set you up nicely for the day. Oh God, Sarah's wow. loving, I, loving you, this. Uh, yes, yeah, Siri, Siri is just listing out like Siri's like this is such great advice. Like, <laughs> um, and then we want a third one. Okay, my third one is that no matter who you are and no matter what you do, you need to be making video content and posting it online about things that you're passionate about and things that you think that you could get work for or that you want to work in. And you should probably start doing it by just taking out your phone and just literally pressing record and then starting to talk about the thing that you've just learned that you're excited about and then stop recording and then post it on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. That would be my biggest advice for you because then like one video ain't going to change the world but you think it might because you think with that video that everyone's going to say 
people that you went to school with when you were 13 are going to start posting on Facebook saying, who's this guy? Who does he think he is? Yeah. He ain't no shit about that. Yeah. <laughs> he, he ain't a, a YouTuber. What you, you think everyone's going to start posting those comments underneath your video. The truth is you're going to post it and there's going to be tumbleweed. So you just need to keep mm. making those videos, but doing it consistently. Then you get more confident. Then you start posting it into new places. Then people that you never thought of start seeing it. And then great opportunities come towards you. So start making video content because in 2020, that's the way that business works. And if you start doing it now, you never know what opportunities could come in two or three years to you. You know, out of everything you've said, I really do get um, an overall, an overarching feeling, an overarching kind of category, I suppose, of resilience, of really not taking the first of anything, um, trying over and over again, doing things more than once, even if you think that they're fine. Um, you know, maybe maybe you say, okay, you know, I feel like I've had a good day because I had a good meal. But like, like practice gratitude. Practicing gratitude means really thinking about the things that you're happy, you're, you're happy about, you're grateful for. And it's been proven that happiness is intrinsically linked to gratitude. When it comes down to these ideas, ideation is a muscle, you know? It's not something that you can suddenly turn off or turn on, uh, turn on or turn off. It's not something that you're either creative or you're not creative. And with the very last thing that you said, you know, making videos, you're right, like, you know, sometimes you will put things out there. We both make videos, we know how much effort it takes, tumbleweed. But you just need to be there, even if there's tumbleweed, knowing that you're doing the right thing and knowing that you're contributing to something that, you know, you know is going to make the world a better place and, and fulfills your creative passion. Absolutely. Fall in love with the process and it doesn't matter what the result is. But actually, if you fall in love with the process, the results will come. And it just leads me onto that, on, onto the point that I think happiness is actually gratitude for what you have but also an ambition for what you want to have in the future. So I think if you can combine both of those and have a healthy dose of gratitude and ambition, I think you'll be in a good place. Absolutely. Well, this, this seems like a good place to end the podcast, you know, like, a, you know, you can find yourself in a good place. And I, I really do hope you've all enjoyed that. Um, Nick, where can people find you? Where, where can people keep up with all the amazing stuff that you're doing? Definitely subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Nick Kimmo. You can find it there. Um, also, Nick Kimmo on Instagram, on TikTok now of all places. Um, I love that. There we go on Twitter as well. And connect with me on LinkedIn. I think Nick Kimovich there. Although I think if you do linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Nick Kimmo, uh, it should come up. Or maybe Nick Kimovich. So amazing. that's me. Cool, and I'll, I'll link to all of that in the description below so you can all find it as well. Um, I will say that all of your videos are super memorable. Um, when you said TikTok, I thought about the video that you made on, you know, like really getting started with TikTok and things that you've said along the way. Like, I, I do think that you make videos that are very memorable, so I will commend you on that. And um, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, Hansel. It's been, it's, I really appreciate you inviting me to, to have this chat with you and, uh, and make this video with you. It's exciting. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And if you have any thoughts or questions, please drop me a message at wednesday at progressionlab.co.uk or simply a comment in the discussion below. I've left the link to Nick Himmel's LinkedIn and his content in the show notes. And if you're interested in learning more about how you can use creativity to transform your business, please head on over to www.progressionlab.co.uk. For now, thank you for listening in and I'll see you on the next episode.